Hey, this is BJ Kahuna from Rock and or Roll, and you're listening to Rock Strikes 10 with a name based on a cheap trick song. You can't go wrong, so enjoy. <laughs> hey, this is Paul Taylor of Winger, and you're listening to Rock Strikes 10. Hey, this is Ricky Dover Jr. of The Biters, and you're listening to Rock Strikes 10 Podcast. Yow! What's up? This is Tuck from The Biters, and you're listening to Rock Strikes 10. Welcome to Rock Strikes 10! Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and review on iTunes and never missing one single episode. Thank you, especially everybody who does that. And extra special thanks to those of you who participated and came out to the Nashville Rock and Pot Expo 2 just uh, merely a week and change ago in Nashville, Tennessee. Hopefully you've already heard part one of my Nashville Rock and Pot Expo 2 wrap-up. If you haven't, go back and check that one out first. Now it's time for a very special episode indeed. So these first two guests were people that were definitely booked to be at the expo. And our last guest today here, well, I'll just tell you about them in a second. We're going to start off this episode with my good friend BJ from Rock and or Roll, also Cheap Talk with Trick Chat. BJ is one of the best podcasters in the game, hands down. Rock and or Roll is a rocklopedia of knowledge that you should already be listening to. And uh, he's going to join us here for a little bit on the show at the top of it. Then we'll also continue here with uh, my chat with Paul Taylor. Of course, the keyboardist for Winger, uh, that's definitely what he's most known for. I was definitely leaning towards geeking out with him about his time with Alice Cooper in the 80s because, honestly, like Paul's a big part of my Alice Cooper fandom. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, you'll hear it, but that's where I came in was around the Constrictor era, 86. I was definitely overly excited to get any kind of uh, fun stories out of him about Alice that I could, and I think I got a decent one out of him. If only you could see the look on his face when he does his Alice impression. It was pretty cool. He was kind enough to continue on with my Billion Dollar Babies bill signing, so thank you, Paul Taylor. Extra special thanks to you. And uh, extra humongous thanks to Chris Senzak, once again, just for everything that you did by putting the expo on. Uh, he made sure that I got a block of time with Ricky from the Biters. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be worth the trip just for that. And so when I was at the pre-show party with, of course, Nola and Randy Brown, I was talking to Senzak for a brief period there, and he hinted at me that Tuck from the Biters might actually be in attendance uh, at the at the expo. No promises kind of thing, but it's like, hey, that'd be great. If you see him, put in a word for me, you know, that kind of thing, so... Didn't think it would happen. Then lo and behold, it's like a few minutes till my interview with Ricky, and I see Tuck in the corner over there. I saw him over near Lee McCormick's table, so I just did that thing. I was kind of panicked, and you know, I knew Ricky was about to come over. He was just finishing up with Butler. What what a scene this was. What what a scene. And I looked over at Nolan and go, "Man, will you please?" maybe try to wrangle both of them see if they would both be willing to come on at the same time kind of thing and if you know nola at all you cannot turn down that smile so i definitely pulled the manipulation card full disclosure 
and um, got them to both come on at the same time. Pretty great, big moment for me. You will definitely be able to hear how much I am just on fire with them being on my show. And then, you know, afterwards we calm down a bit, but we have a great rock and roll talk. So I hope you enjoy that. You know, like we do here on Rock Strikes 10, every show, 10 songs, no more, no less. So we're definitely going to play songs to represent my guests here on the show today with some of their personal picks as well. So kick back and check this one out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's kick off the show here with some music before we get into BJ. And, uh, you know, since, you know, Cheap Trick is his favorite band, I figured we would go with this, a song that will get referenced later here on the show by a different guest. But here is a, a great live version that opens up the Music for Hangovers album. So it's going to be like an Eau Claire slash Surrender thing we're going to do here. So I consider that to be one song, especially in a live setting. So here you go, kicking off the show this week. Nice live version of Cheap Trick with Eau Claire slash Surrender. Turn it up.
Hey, Joey here once again at the National Rocket Pod 2. The amazing expo. Better room this year. Happy yeah. about it so far. Yeah. Sitting here with one of my all-time favorite subscribe, stay current on podcasters, Mr. BJ Cramp of Rock and or Roll, a show that I've had the pleasure of being on a handful of times. BJ, welcome once again to Rock Strikes 10. How Thanks, are you? Thanks, Joey. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's, it's, yeah. it's just, I honestly, the guests are cool, but I come to see you guys. Yeah, same like, here. You yeah. guys, you guys are brothers, you know, so I just, and uh, for whatever part you had in this, I appreciate it. Um, I'm just going to go for like, I'm going to try to just do a couple of shock radio questions in our bubble of fandoms. <laughs> so uh, BJ, in addition, for those of you, you should know, in case you don't know, BJ also is responsible for Cheap Talk with Trick Chat. Another great podcast that I recommend. You don't have to be a Cheap Trick fan to love it, but it doesn't hurt. Yeah. And uh, what, is the, what is the thing that annoys you the most about hardcore Cheap Trick fans? I've always wanted to ask you that. Because you see them on there on the Cheap Talk uh, uh, Facebook page. I'm just going to out them. As me personally, I'm going to out them on this. Unnecessary comments, annoying things. Now, not all opinions are annoying. But what's the thing that drives you the most crazy right now? Well, one thing is that there's Cheap Trick fans who refuse to admit they ever did a bad song. Like, every single song they ever did is good no matter what. And uh, But the most annoying thing about our Cheap Trick Facebook page is... Uh, I don't like to state the obvious on a podcast, right? But I found that you have to. Otherwise, somebody will come and comment and say, you didn't say blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't think I needed to say it. But now I have to say it anyways, just so somebody doesn't come and point out that they're more of an expert than you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There's always an expert. I mean, you probably experienced this, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't so. know. I think Kiss fans might do that too. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. the worst Cheap Trick song of all time? See, and I'm a Cheap Trick. I'm a big Cheap Trick fan. Yeah. I kind of, I have that sick like. What's the worst though? Like, you know, I just, I just like to know these things. Well, there's obvious Top ones five. like Ride the Pony from Woke Up with a Monster is really awful. Um, yeah. Uh, trying to think of some of the other really bad ones. I mean, I don't really count the ones they didn't write, you know, like Space off the Lap of Luxury. Um, that's not even a cheap trick song to me, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? I got you. Um, but, like, Special One's got a couple of real stinkers, like Pop Drone and Michael Butler's favorite, Hummer, which is not even a song. It's and he said that's his one. favorite on the album. I don't think you would like it if you knew how much Dan the Automator contributed to that song. I really don't. Yeah. But that's just my theory. Um, that might be the Hummer might be the worst, but I don't know if it even counts as a song. So. Yeah. It's it's pleasant enough. I don't hate it. I like most of Pop Drone. I like most of Special One Period. I'm sure you do too. Uh, we we have a mutual appreciation of the Rockford album. Yeah, so Fucking great. Love that album. So great. I think Decaf is one of the great rock closers of all time. Always gets me in the mood to just. I, I put that before I go into a concert. Period. Yeah. It just has that thing about it. But um. Well, you know, I'm not a huge fan of those last couple albums. I know so. that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't want to get into the whole Dax Bunny thing because I know. <laughs> I've, I've seen your. I'm not saying right or wrong here. I'm just. Uh, I know that's a Pandora's box that I don't want to open. But. Uh, well, now they have Robin Taylor's Xander playing on stage with them okay. too. Did they, that, that, okay. So, do you think that there's going to be a Trick 2.0 at this point? They're 
basically grooming within the family, like even more so than Eddie Van Halen could ever do or anybody else. There's a potential there. I mean, I don't think they all have the kids that are into this, but it can get close enough to where, okay, it's a Xander kid, it's a Nielsen kid, that's probably good enough for most of, that's good enough for them. Like, that's good enough for Rick and Robin, I'm sure, as far as, like, mentality-wise, to yeah. hand it over. They're, they got a, they got a long way to go, especially Robin's kid, of course. Do you think you see that happening in the future, or do you think it's just a... I, I don't see it happening, yeah. but... I'm not even sure I want to go see them. They've got Robert Taylor Xander on stage singing, and so now it's like this diluted version of Cheap Trick that is just strange to me, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. They seem a little confused now, plus like them coming to Texas and not playing Southern Girls, it's like they actually will make a point. (laughs) <laughs> and they don't do that anymore. They're just, they seem confused a little bit. It's still fun to watch the songs, you know. Got to hear a little Baby Loves to Rock, and which is not every show. And yeah. they played a really amazing headline show a few years ago at the theater we had nearby. But yeah, like, that's the only thing. It's like, well, how deep are we, how deep can we go now with the... With this understudy, like yeah, kind of Robin and Taylor. No disrespect, but it's just no. Like, Robin Taylor is really talented. I've seen two of the shows. Uh, the last like four Januarys, Robin Zander has done these solo shows in the Wisconsin Dells, and uh, hundred bucks a ticket. But Brian Beebe got me into two of them for free. Brian Beebe used to play with Robin before yeah, Cheap Trick. He's been on Cheap and, Talk, and yeah, and, yeah, and uh, Robin does those shows with Robin Taylor. He plays the whole show with him, and he's very talented. It, but. Okay. Uh, he doesn't belong in Cheap Trick. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I don't get Cause, it. Because they've got, you know, Robin can still play guitar, obviously. Yeah. So you don't need a third guitar player. Yeah, they've basically got Robin playing less guitar, and Robin Taylor is picking up the slack on the vocals now. Yeah. So, Because, yeah. you know, even Robin Zander's not invincible. I mean, his voice is... Nobody's voice is going to be the same in their 60s as it was in their 20s. Especially so. if you are, like... A consistent gigger. Yeah. Like there's guys that could take time off. And oh, it's like oh, they could still sing. Well, yeah, they haven't. They don't do 200 shows a year. And I don't know if he still does, but up until very recently, Robin smokes cigarettes. You see him all the time going off stage smoking too, so yeah. that can't help. Uh, so yeah. That's still really good considering that he smokes. Like that voice should yeah. not be in the. Shape His voice is still really strong, but you know, it's, of course, it's not going to be the, quite the same as it was. Um, all right, let's go here. I'm going to narrow down your song choice. Yeah? Yeah, okay, that would help. <laughs> We're talking cheap tricks, so fuck it, let's stay in that area. Has anybody actually pulled off a good cheap trick cover? Yeah, somebody asked on our Facebook page, what's your favorite cheap trick cover? And I mean, I don't really care. Song, I mean, but, uh, yeah, I don't really care about covers. I mean, Concrete Blonde... Concrete Blonde did an interesting version of Mandicello, which was an interesting song to do, yeah. you know? Um, That's a good one. I have that 45. Is it? I think it's Big Drill Car that does Surrender, and then Chemical People do Getaway by Kiss. Like it's a two-sided one. Ah. So that Big Drill Car one is uh, interesting, but I don't know. Anthrax did Big Eyes, but yeah, I would say that Concrete Blonde Mandicello is probably the, the I coolest one. I like that one. choice because yeah. Mandicello is one of my favorites. So yeah, yeah. And we just talked to Craig about Smashing Pumpkins, so there's a. There's another little tie in there, so and you know, let's do that. Mandicello, when they made the first album, Robin had never done that song. Wow. It, uh, they had it at Sick Man of Europe and Zeno sang it, but for some reason Jack Douglas must have been asking for a ballad or I don't know what, and he ended up, ended up on the record, and they had oh. never, Robin never even sang it before. Happy accident. That's a highlight yeah. of the first yeah. record for me. So. Yeah. 
Alright, here's Concrete Blonde. Yeah. Amanda Cello. Oh, yeah. 
dead before they're cold. They're bluing flesh for me to hold. Cadaver eyes upon me see nothing. Natural Rock and Pod Expo number two. Uh, even though it's number two, it's th- my favorite. It's number one this year because it's blowing away last year's expo. And further proof here, we've got Paul Taylor, uh, mostly known for Winger, many, many different credits. Uh, I'm, my favorite artist of all time is Alice Cooper. Oh, cool. So even just that association is the biggest deal for me right now. But that's my long winded intro. Paul Taylor, welcome to Rock Strikes 10. Hey, thanks a lot. Yes. We don't really have an interview format. It's very just, uh, I, just I don't have any pre-planned questions. Um, because of today, and I'm nervous about asking questions, I think we just like to do, with the allotted time we have, do a little personal history as far as your fandom. This is a fan expo, so 
I figured anybody that's actually attending this, whether they're a guest or not, is still a fan at heart. Right. So um, I'm very, I'm always interested in anybody that I bought their albums, what albums they bought, what albums they love, Desert Island type stuff, right. Gun to Your Head, what's your favorite albums kind of thing. So if, if, if you have that album right now in your head, if I someone put a gun to your head, say, what is your absolute number one favorite album of all time? Like, first thing that pops in your mind. The one that pops in is, I think, the favorite every time. So, Paul Taylor. I, you know, God, I, I get asked that, and I I used to probably have answers for that stuff. I, it would probably be an, any Aerosmith record. I, you know, uh, I was a huge Aerosmith fan and still am. But, you know, as anyone that knows me knows, I, my taste is all over the map. From everything from B.B. King to the rock stuff to classical stuff to, you know, I just, so... Uh, I really don't know. That's all. And I'm I'm ADD, so I you know change my mind every ten minutes. So yeah. you know it's that's a hard one. Yeah. Um, this is gonna sound like a shot comedy question, but I'm being very serious. I took piano as a kid. I, I fell off. I kind of go in and out, but I really enjoy playing the piano slash keyboard. I have one at home and all that other jazz. But like the the knock on keyboardists and rock bands is that it's not cool. I, I am a staunch, like, no, it is and can be. And there's many examples of that. You being one of them, I truly believe that. Um, like, does does that ever bother you anymore if you ever hear that still? Do you ever hear that out and about, like, even just in interviews in general still to this day? Like, Well, you know, I mean, there's times where I don't like keyboards in a band. You know, I, I'm a fan of the keyboards being really lush and kind of blendy and just supporting the, the band you know you get Atmosphere, a guy yeah. that has you know you get a guy that is playing a Hammond organ and he's got the high draw bars up and it's all just trebly and sounds like a farfisa or something then it's yeah. uh, so annoying but uh, you know I, I, you know when it's keyboards like you know in White Snake where it just makes the music just huge it's you know that's a great example actually like and saw them recently too so yeah absolutely. yeah I did too yeah I was there um I have I have a random winger point here, is that uh, I, I don't you guys probably aren't in the bubble of the like weird internet fandom. I mean yes you're at a pod expo which is an internet fandom thing, but back in the like message board days which was like the early and mid 2000s, and they have that of course the infamous one is Metal Sludge, that's the infamous site. Yeah. A lot of bands have notoriously either been dogged or been amped up by a very divisive site such as Metal Sludge but I gotta tell you back in those message board days where it was just brutal as all get out they had an entry level of here are the commandments of this and Winger Pool was actually on that list of this is a great album mm-hmm. and if you're gonna be running with us yeah that was on a list of like four or five albums like these are good records and you will recognize them <laughs> or you do not get to join <laughs> I just wanted to let you know that that is actually a thing that happened. That uh, that's there funny. are a lot of fans of Pool, and you know stuff like that. Yeah, just, well, the whole winger thing's always been funny because you know it was like oh, a bunch of posers, and you know, hey, when we watch our videos from back in those days, we're like, oh my god, what a bunch of posers! But yeah. uh, I, n- I never got drafted by Alice Cooper to play in his band, so I don't know how they're living. Uh, I know I never did. So, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's you know, yeah. we're just I, all of us are just happy to be still doing anything and you know uh 
but yeah, the winger thing is fun, I, you know, and it's it's great that over the years, you know, Kip's been able to break away from the pack and you know do the classical thing and you know get nominated for a Grammy last year, and he's got Get Jack that musical happening, which I was telling the other guy uh, just a minute ago that he's in Prague right now recording the string sections for it, and um, it's amazing, it's yeah. unbelievable. So. See, I love that stuff because I, I'm I'm one of those weird guys that. I took music theory, I played in high school band, kicked around a little bit, not nothing special, but the theory and the classical part of that never left me, so anytime I get to see one of my favorites diversify themselves into that, which can't be easy to do on the, on the forefront, like that foot in the door takes a long time. Oh my like, God. Try, going from an East Coast or West Coast songwriter into a Nashville songwriter, it's the same kind of right, struggle. Right. So I respect the hell out of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he did three nights at the Nashville, with the Nashville Symphony this year and got standing ovations every night. I mean, it, it's really amazing where he's taken the, the classical thing to, you know? Yeah. I appreciate you dealing with my all over the place questions, but uh, oh, that's right. Can, can I just, as as a A top level Alice Cooper fanboy, yeah. um, tell me a really. If you can, I don't say dance monkey, but uh, do you have any really good Alice stories? Maybe that you haven't ever told a whole lot of interviewers, or just what if you ha if you don't have an obscure one, what's your favorite one? Oh God, I mean, just with Alice, it was just never-ending fun, and you know the guy. I mean, the guy with the stories about Alice is Alice. I mean, sure. you know, there'd be nights on the bus, and he would talk about you know sitting like you know with. Um, uh, Groucho Marx during his last days in the hospital. Alice used to go watch movies with him, and oh. you know, Alice in the day. I mean, he was hobnobbing with all the biggest Hollywood stars. Yeah, because he didn't want to hang out with rock stars so much. Just the Hollywood. Oh, he stars. just well, Alice will hang out with anybody. Oh, he's sure. just very you know, and anyone that knows him knows that. I mean, he's just a super nice guy and just a, a legend. And you know, I worked on and off with him for 13 years, and never saw anything other than the nicest guy and you know, amazing golfer and. Uh, just what a talent, you know, and, and you know, at this point in the game, there's just so many people that owe what they do to him forging the way, you know. And then and some of them don't even know it. That's oh, yeah, they don't, yeah. It. Yeah, right? Um, but that's the other thing I wanted to tell you personally here on the show is you're a big part of the gateway to my Alice fandom because I rented that Nightmare Returns uh, and like, and I followed everything else after that. So you're from the era that I came in at. Okay. So it's always going to be a special thing to me. All my older friends, original band, of course, love the original band. But you're from my Alice era. Yeah. And I'm always going to be indebted to you. Oh, that for, was fun. For yeah. even just helping shape my taste just a little bit. Where was, that show was at Joe Lewis Arena, I think. Which yeah. That was one of our first big shows. I mean, if I remember correctly, that, yeah. that was right at the beginning of when we started touring. So... We were just just getting our, you know, getting it together at that time. But what was was there a collective gasp in the audience whenever that that stabbing bit happened? By the way, because I no one had ever seen anything like that before. Oh gosh, I don't know. There were so many outrageous things on Alice stages, and I, I do have one funny story that I don't know if I've ever told before. We uh, there was this one part in the show where because I, I was up on that 20-foot riser and yeah. I was playing keys but there was a few samples that I had of noises and things that had to be triggered during and there was this one thing where I would play the sample of thunder noises yeah. and I also played the samples on we, we wanted the vocals on schools out to be bigger so I had these four keys and it'd be schools out four and so 
this one part in the show, we had some technical problems, and my my tech on the floor was the guy who used to change the sample discs, and he was busy doing something, and I still had schools out in there, and so it was a later part in the show, and Alice is creeping across the stage, and I'm supposed to be playing Thunder Noise, so I hit the key, and it's like, schools! Like, and I've never seen Alice break character ever, except for that time he stopped, he was like, and he looks up at me and goes, wow. and I'm like, you know, he just, it was like, what the hell? But, uh, you know, of course, I told him, I, I, I go, dude, it was not me. You know, they didn't change it. He goes, no, it's fine. He goes, yeah, he goes, it shocked me for a second. Yeah. but We'll kill that guy tomorrow. So Yeah, stage, yeah, yeah. Well, I know uh, we only have so much time with you, but Paul Taylor, I want to thank you for coming on Rock Strikes 10. And on your way out, um, this is your radio station for the next few minutes. One song, it doesn't matter what it is, you could be on it or not. You get one song to play. Uh, how about it? Toys in the Attic by Aerosmith? Beautiful. All right, thank you so much. And can I get a
do what I can. Yeah. All right. Joey here with Rock Strikes 10. If you know anything about this show, this band is no stranger to Rock Strikes 10. They're standing in front of me, and I'm trying not to just be a girl about it. <laughs> but a, a perennial fucking favorite on Rock Strikes 10. Sweet. Biters. Hell yeah. Hello. Biters. Yeah. We have Ricky and Tuck. And oh my god. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for man. having us, y'all. Welcome to the Rock and Pod Expo, Nashville. Yeah. 2018. It's a it's a hard process when I do my scientifically broken down best albums of the year. Electric Blood has the distinction of winning an album of the year award on this show. Awesome. And cool. not that not that I don't love everything else, the EPs, even cut your teeth. I freaking pledge everything. God damn it. Did you get that? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know that, like, I ran that fucking pledge, and it was really hard, and I had to do it to fund a European tour, so that actually helped us go to that last tour, so thank you. That's top order, man. Like, thank you. a lot of bands are playing with their poo-poo when it comes to their pledges and how they deal with it and how they get it out on time. You guys show up early every time. It's earlier than they say it's going to be. Thank you. So that, that's a big deal with me. I support bands on pledge that are good. And this is the number one band on it right now. Thank you. Um, Thanks, man. Okay. We need it. When we go on Rock Strikes 10, we like to have a little fun. Uh, even even bands that should be a household name. And you, you guys talk about yourselves all the time. Um, I'm here because I'm a fan of music. You guys are... The only reason you guys might even darken a, a pod expo for Rock and Pod Expo would be because you're actually probably fans still deep down inside. Oh, yeah, man. Let's just kamikaze it. We're going to go back and forth. I want to know what you guys listen to and all the bullshit, what shaped your taste and the way you perform and the way you write music and all this stuff. Maybe even get into some surprises, what people may not know. I mean, there's a lot of on-the-sleeve influences, but I like the fact that you guys aren't blatant. You guys aren't derivative of just one band. I hear like three or four different bands on each song. So tell me some of your all-time favorite albums, and we'll just go back and forth with the time a lot of that we got here. So. Uh. Well, I mean, gun, gun I don't your, know. Each, each one, I gun to your head. Exile. Gun to your head, all-time favorite. Is it Exile? Yeah, Exile. Um, you know, uh, the Clapton, Mayall, Blues Breakers, that was a big one for me just because it was just like Les Paul Marshall. Like, oh, my God. That's like the first. That's amazing. Um, yeah, Abbey Road, uh, Hard Day's Night. Um, man, I mean, I like a lot of first album stuff. I mean, I loved... Um, See, well, lately I've been listening to like a yeah ELO and the Move has Just been saw like them last year. Oh, the Move! Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. that's been like blowing my mind, man. Dude. And um, yeah, I've been listening to that. I kind of been really getting in pretty tight in it. Uh, I've been listening to this band, The Attack, and another band called The Action. They're all just like kind of London '60s bands, and um, yeah, I love all that. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I started, yeah, I just real basic, all the giants of classic rock, whatever classic rock radio was. Start from there, and then kind of like boiled it down and found like, you know, through the stones, and then I found, you know, the faces, and then I found Humble Pie, and then I found the small faces. And uh, yeah, I like finding all that stuff, you know, on my own. It's so much more meaningful.
I think that I was obsessed with a lot of obscure music, especially like really deep British glam and glitter rock. That was a heavy influence on me. And then the first wave of like UK punk growing up was a really big influence. But uh, this dude is out of his mind over here, acting like... I would say biggest influences though, to me when I realized I needed to be a songwriter, a lot of stuff flipped. So I started, you know, Rick Nielsen's one of my favorite songwriters ever. Tom Petty is definitely like Damn the Torpedoes, he's a great American songwriter. I love Phil Lynott's one of my favorite lyricists ever from Thin Lizzy. Yeah, I'll jump in when I saw you guys in Houston, you closed with the Cowboy song. We drove to Houston from Dallas just to see you guys, and you closed with that and it just made that epic journey. Three links? Um, no, Dallas is the three links. We live in Dallas, but we when uh, when, when you guys were just putting out Electric Blood, we drove to this like shithole sports bar that they booked some shitty band on the second floor and they had you guys on the first floor. Oh, we waited forever to play. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah and the, the, the cr- that, yeah. it was you and the cry. You know I flipped oh, out. Man. Oh, I believe it. That was and shit. You know what I told the promoter? I said we're nobody right now, but in five years you don't know who the fuck you're gonna be. So watch how you treat people, bitch. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you what. Am I allowed to cuss on here? Yeah, yeah. No, you, yeah. you for sure are. Not on his show, but on my show, you can say whatever That's you want. That's what I told him. <laughs> because you know what? You never know who somebody's going to be. Yeah. 
And so you always got to treat everybody on the, everybody with respect. Yeah, that, that place like. looked like it was like on the side of a barge, like in New Hampshire or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I can't believe that. I mean, didn't they like make the cry like stop? They made. The, they, yeah. they held a show. For, yeah, fuck those nerds. Yeah, because I, I. But I will say, despite all that negativity, fuck those nerds. We still. This has been a few years now. We still talk about that show. Good. We became instant fans of the cry. We never heard him before. Yeah, yeah. And then seeing you guys, just like, oh, just good. Well, thank you. Greatest rock and roll shows I've ever seen. I'm not just saying that. Thank you to like 50 people, 40 people, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I made a friend that I'm still friends with in Houston because of that show, and it's just one of those memorable nights for us. Still talk good. about it. I've seen them all, man. I've seen all the icons. Top 10 rock shows. You never know when you're gonna have that night, but goddamn it, it was amazing. You know, I, me and Ricky talk about this all the time. I still feel like people are being born today that should be iconic type rock and rollers, but the platform is different, and the cultural climate just doesn't allow a lot for new bands, yeah. like especially like rock, like true blue rock and roll bands. Yeah. When Fighters goes and talks to labels. 99% of labels say we're not signing anything with the guitars at all. It's just not s- streaming. But the thing is, you can't help who or what you love. So I continue to play rock and roll. So does Ricky. Even though I probably could be a pretty good rapper, I think I could fuck some shit up. But it's not in my it's not in my heart. So we, I just continue to try. It's not from the heart. Roll. You should do it. Yeah. I, we we have we keep having this idea because we constantly listen to Little Steven's channel, and we know your ties into that. Of course, with the wildlife, yeah. and we just have this dream tour that is a throwback to like you know y'all seen that thing you do. Yeah, like, of course. Galaxy yeah. of the Stars. Like have a Little Steven traveling carnival like they used to do in the sixties. I'm talking more than ten minute sets now. Yeah. But yeah. I want a tight thirty minutes each. Yeah. We want, we, this is both of our ideas. Tight three band bill. It's pretty much you, Wildlife, Cry. Maybe throw in like a Kurt Baker or something. And uh, I love Kurt Baker, dude. I mean, that if would you're be, listening, Kurt, I would love to produce your record. And we kind of know Ryan Hamilton, so maybe we could just have this yeah, he's cool. the best tour ever with you five. You, you know, we have toured with Wildlife. Yes. I brought them uh, to open for us. I love those guys. Yeah. And we did a handful of shows with The Cry, so yeah. it could happen. Yeah. They, they played Three Links recently about a year and a half ago in our town. Wildlife. And it yeah. was a free yeah. show. So because of that and because of how fucking good they were, went to the table, bought every piece of vinyl, good. unique title they had. I was like, dude, good. you guys come back anytime. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how they're not charging for this, but God damn it. <laughs> That was one. That's another one of the best shows. They're so good. Oh yeah, I, I love those guys. They're yeah. my buddies, and yeah, no. I love them. So much love to them. Take some love back to them for us.
Um, let's let's do a couple of generics. Why not? Fuck it. First concert. First concert. It's got to be a local punk show, probably my hometown. Yeah. I don't remember who was on the bill. No, just some garbage bullshit, man. Okay. But you know that that's DIYs. how you start. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Honestly, I think that one of the first shows I saw, uh, my my parents brought me to Dollywood to see the Dixie Chicks, and we sat on like hay bales. And I, Definitely remember that, uh, but I think like that first like real like rock and roll show was uh, I saw the Offspring and the Mighty Mighty Botstones in Knoxville, and it was not uh, too cool. We're not cool. I'm like, sorry, guys. Yeah, Botstones get it done on stage. I know, yeah, but we're it, it was crazy, man. I mean, uh, yeah. And so it was there. Um, I told this story once. Um, yeah, it was there. I never like really been to a rock concert before, and so I just saw this footage where like one time I think it was like. Woodstock 99 people were like throwing trash bottles or something so I thought that's just what you did so I was like you know Rick you're uh, not supposed to throw bottles at motherfuckers and like 12 year old kids so I just saw this like bottle in there and I just threw it in the crowd and then I ended up like I don't know inadvertently like kind of breaking somebody's nose and they're they're, like and so then this chick uh, who was like purple hair and these like nose rings and whatever I mean she was hot she came over and just started yelling at me and I was like Oh, I like this. Like, like, oh, cool. Ask him about his cool. sexual wow. fetishes now. And, uh, and ladies out there, Ricky loves cool. to be dominated. I'm into <laughs> bottles and blood. Yeah, and I was like, oh wow. See, I would jump down into the crowd and fuck somebody up if they threw a bottle at me in a heartbeat. Axel yeah. Low style. Oh, yeah, oh, that's totally. rock and roll. Straight head first, I would go in. Yeah, hey, I we, was that shit head once. We guys do me a favor because I, I know what? Doug Stan up lamented in one of his acts that uh, when was the last time you heard about a fucking rock band throwing a TV out the window? Can you guys make that happen at some point whenever a, a listen, few more people are paying attention? Li- listen, <laughs> we're not too far off right now. <laughs> We've done that. If I get to drinking a little bit, I have to watch how I drink because that inner damn redneck comes out yeah. and I always tear shit up. Yeah, we understand. <laughs> You guys yeah. are from Georgia. We're from Texas. Rick is not from Nashville. I'm from Middle Georgia. You're from Texas. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, we did first concert. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with one. You guys both right. Wait, you're a fan, so ask us something you want to hear. Yeah. Like, ask us something you want to know. I don't care. What is the song you wish you wrote? I can't. Is oh, wow. between American Girl and Surrender. Okay. Two of my favorites. Surrender Tom Petty or Surrender Cheap Trick? Well, I love Surrender Tom Petty. The record store day 7-inch, I do have that. But, I mean, Cheap Trick. But, yeah. Yeah, I would have to say maybe, like, you know, Strawberry Fields or Day in the Life or something like that. Some just, like, grandiose. I mean, those are, like, are good vibrations or something. Like, I like all those that are just, like, so well-constructed. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, like, other than, you know, Beatles and Stones and Beach Boys. Those are kind of, like, my top, like, number one bands. I'd say, like... We love the you know, beach faces and small faces thing. are like then they take up the number two slot yeah. and uh, small faces yeah, yeah nice mm-hmm. nope stuff like that but yeah. Nola has a question she was I like, have a question yeah uh, I was like I need you to relay it they probably will well, step up to the mic no okay uh, oh god favorite Beach Boys album What's oh, your yeah. favorite Beach Boys album for the Beach uh, Boys fan? I would say, well, no yeah, 2020 is just like, yeah, it's like a perfect album. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's mine too, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> the the one that that could have had a Charles Manson co-write credit on there, but they oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, took yeah. it off, yeah. and that's and why he went nuts. Yeah. Yeah, so that album actually, that's yeah. the album that killed people. <laughs> it, it is. That yeah, album yeah, killed, yeah. that was because of, the yeah, Charles Manson murder happened kind of because of the 2020 album. 
Yeah, they like reworked the song, and, he, and then he found out about it, and they like went on TV and they promoted it as a single and everything. I gotta YouTube this like, shit. Oh yeah, yeah that's the thing. I don't know about it. Yeah, and it, because because he blamed Dennis Wilson and Terry Melcher, they both had to change a dress for the last like eight or nine times in one year. They lived in nine different places. Really? Because they. The, Terry Melcher was supposed to be there the night of the uh, Sharon Tate murders. He, that was his. He was living there really at the time. Wow. So that's why when you see Terry Melcher, he's always in a dark studio with nobody else around. <laughs> to this day. Wow. Anyway, but uh. Yeah, and like Smile is just like amazing. When Smile came out, that really like cemented everything. Because I was really kind of getting the Beach Boys like in kind of late high school. Pretty much when I started smoking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then Smile came out, and I was like, "Oh my God, the most legendary album of like rock and roll history is finally coming out!" No way! And we're, we're gonna get you like, on a Beach Boys uh, trip right now. Yeah. I didn't fuck with Beach Boys because I was grew up listening to so much punk rock. Sure, it was like a very, very like kind of vanilla thing to me. Yeah, like growing up, like the, the guys who listened to Beach Boys were like Christian, kind of like yeah. gospel. Sure, and I was listening to like the Damned and things. Sure. So it did. I didn't really wasn't able to like take it in until later. But when you find out that like the Ramones like worship at the altar of yeah, the Beach Boys, yeah, it took me like, a second. Yeah. But the guys yeah. that listened to it were nerds. They listened sure. to Edward McCain and shit. <laughs> and I'll be your cry. Did you, did you guys go see the Damned when they came up came to the states uh, last year? I didn't. Uh, we had some friends that played with them. Daddy Longlegs yeah. played a lot of shows with them. Okay. And, uh, yeah, they were they were awesome. phenomenal. They were like we were like surprised like wow that voice is still that voice from the day one of the first track on the first album still throwing that he still had that voice it was pretty great uh and uh freaking um cap the captain he was sitting sensible he was on a toilet seat he sat and played on a toilet seat the whole show because he broke his leg and he goes i started out cleaning labs full circle <laughs> that so. is what we're talking about. All right, ironic. so um, let's just go into generic. Uh, we're gonna have each of you as a preview to their hopefully future Desert Island playlist on Rock Strikes Ten. We're gonna have each of you pick one song to play for our Biters selection block. Play any one song you want. We have no format on Rock Strikes Ten. What, a biter song? Play, play no. You, well, you can pick one if you want. We play we play enough biters. Don't oh, worry about that. Just I just want to play a song. I want yeah, I'm on the radio. The thing, I want to play one song. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's we're shuffling today. I well I'm a huge fan of Michael DeBar, so I play something by Silverhead. Yeah. That, I, I sometimes I toggle between I love power pop like cheap trick and things like that, but then there's another side where I just want to do a record like Silverhead, like really kind of glammy hard rock. So today I'm in a Silverhead mood. So. We can oh. do uh, Underneath the Lights, or we can do Hello New York, or we can do uh, Rolling With My Baby, something like that. Yeah. Pick one, pick one. This is your pick. Let's do Rolling With My Baby, just because that's the introductory hit to them. Never a problem playing Michael DeBar. Okay. Rolling! Yeah. You, do you know Michael? Because we will geek out over that. Okay, well, he's been playing us on his radio show, and then he befriended me on Instagram. And nobody gives a fuck, but I'm like, Michael DeBar is following yeah. Yes. The fuck is... You're screaming in the van. Yeah. You're so excited. Yeah. Yeah. Rolling! I love Michael yeah. DeBar. I mean, yeah. even sc- just Scum of the Earth alone is enough yeah. for me, but I love Listen, his music. I, I bought that Checker Pass record, and I bought Detective. 
But oh, Silverhand, like, that was like, yeah. he was possessed by demons on that record. Yeah. It feels satanic. Yeah. He was supposed Those to be, records. He, he was almost here this year, actually, at the expo, so. I would fanboy yeah. out over him. Yeah, yeah I got you. This is getting off, but listen, sure. Instagram is a way for me. It's crazy because my idols are right from there. a bygone era. Yeah. So, like, Michael DeBars follows me. Yeah, Cheap. they're not out of reach. Fucking Rick Nielsen is my Instagram fan, friend, and he comments on my fucking comments. This is the only time in history when they can be attainable. And yeah. so that's a very positive thing. As much as the internet's hurt, Rick Nielsen goes, go pick, Tuck. I mean, that makes my fucking day. So. <laughs> wow. Totally. Sorry. No, no, this is great. Uh, Ricky, yeah. what, what's on I would say, uh, yeah, Tom Petty, anything that's rock and roll is fine. Oh, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's just a like, straight that's up classic. That's single. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that one's just like, it just nailed it. It's just got everything. Um, it's all about it, man. I mean, I love a lot of, uh, yeah, uh, kind of like boogie, kind of like bar, you know, rock. And um, yeah, so he just nailed it with that one. So. I, I'm going to go ahead and sell, I'm going to do a little self-promotion. I'm going to send you guys my Tom Petty two-part tribute link. Because it's the deep shit, the good shit. It's all great, of course. We love the yeah, singles, too. But yeah. I picked a, a personal fave off of every studio album. Good. So let's yeah, compare yeah. some taste. Uh, just talking rock and roll in general here. So uh, one thing. Top, we got to tell you about Tom Petty. I know everybody thinks he's on the radio and he's a lame guy. But like to me, he's the greatest American power pop guy ever. I like obscure music, too. I just don't. But there's a reason why Tom Petty is as big as he is. And if you're a songwriter, then you know it. So to me, he's like the ultimate. Yeah, he's my, he's my Springsteen and Dylan rolled into yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Like, they can have them, and I love the, the, the guys are fine, but Petty's my guy. Have you seen the videos, like, when the first European tour? Yeah. And they're wearing, like, Hand the velvet heaven. suit jackets, yeah. and he's got the fucking flying V, and they got the scarves, and they just look so fucking cool. And a lot of people think it's just free falling, but those early records are fucking... Oh, yeah. Yeah, when he was working with Dwight Twilley and uh, I love Dwight Twilley, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're going all day, going all day. Sorry, but go ahead. No, no. uh, People say the song you wish you wrote. I kind of, I didn't. I just found out recently that Campbell wrote "Boys of Summer." I was like, well, he doesn't have to work. He gave it to Tom Petty. No, he gave it, and Tom Petty. I think Tom had an ego. I'm assuming, and was like, nah. And Mike Campbell's like, well, here. Yeah. That's Don Henley's best song. That's a song you don't have to really work too hard for the rest of your life if you wrote it, you know. So that'd be a, it's a great track. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought mean, it was Poison Summer. That's a good title too. Right? I mean, that's what, that when song Poison Summer is like one of my first memories of music ever. I just like it was somehow. I just remember my parents driving me around and just like hearing the guitar solo and and thinking like, wow, that's really amazing. And I always just really liked it. And then only just recently found out that it was yeah. I think it's Mike Campbell playing those parts, and yeah, I didn't know who who it was. But it's funny, I mean, I really kind of, I love Mike Campbell's playing so much now, and now I've studied it, and studied his playing and, and whatnot, but even at the time, it's just like that, his, you know, his mindset was already, like, channeling into my brain at such an early age. I didn't even know it at the time. If you guys don't know, Ricky plays bader, uh, b- bass and biters, yes. but he's yes. also an amazing guitar player, and he's like, sounds like Mike Campbell, he's fucking killer. Oh. Just FYI. Yeah. Sorry, oh, but go ahead. No, no. Yeah. Right. So let's compare taste. I might, I might be out of gas now. I, uh, man, um, I hope you guys, I hope you guys are able to come back on the show at some point. Just email us. Yeah, yeah man. For sure. All no right. Problem. I don't want to take up any more of your time, Biters. I wish you millions of dollars and all the naked ladies in the world. Yeah. And, if we get uh, that, I'm going to bring you 
and your associates over here will have a drug-fueled rampage at the tour bus all night. Right. I'll break my straight edge uh, streak I'm for that. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll take you over. Thank out. you so much for coming. Can I get
Okay, wow. So that is the official Rock Strikes 10 wrap-up of this year's Nashville Rock and Pod Expo 2. You could obviously tell by the audio that we were having tons of fun out there. And, you know, right there at the end, the, the peak of the day, hanging out with the biters. I know I sound like a 14-year-old fanboy, or maybe even fangirl. <laughs> and... uh I probably interrupted them a few more times than I should have, but it was just fun. They they were super cool and nice about everything. And yeah, what can I say? <laughs> so it was just super fun. Uh, of course, you know, you know, but before we get out of here, we do have one more song to play to officially make it rock strikes 10. So I, I realized that I played a biter song at the top of their segment, but I'm going to close with one more since they were so cool to come on. Uh, they have so many terrific, amazing, perfect rock and roll songs, but this one is uh, probably my current favorite one off of that perfect album, Electric Blood. Could think of no other, could think of no better way to close this episode than with "The Kids Ain't All Right."
off part two of our official rock strikes 10 nashville rock and pot to wrap up episode that was biters with the kids ain't all right like i said to their face that's a perfect album it was the best album that year it's a scientific fact here on rock strikes 10 that it was uh, before we get out of here and i give my special thanks let's recap what we heard here song wise we started off with what be- became a pick by tuck later on in the episode a song that he wish he wrote i played the eau claire surrender version the live version for music for hangovers by cheap trick counting that as one song because you know a, a little bit of a cheat but you know eau claire is not much of a song anyway it's awesome it's a great lead-in so i just included it but there you go surrender by cheap trick and then we continued on with a Cheap Trick cover picked by BJ Cramp of Rock and or Roll and Cheap Talk. Concrete Blonde's cover of Mandicello off of their comp Still in Hollywood from 1994. That That's a great song, Mandicello, almost no matter who does it. And I like Concrete Blonde, so really uh, glad to feature that on the show finally. And then we continued on with a live version of I Love the Dead by Alice Cooper featuring Paul Taylor on keyboards there in the live setting. And I, I picked that because it had a lot of keyboards on it, so it kind of spotlighted Paul there in his time in Alice. And I liked what he said about what a keyboardist can bring to a rock band if it's done properly. I think that was really cool and uh, refreshing to hear from a rock keyboardist. Uh, But yeah, that version of I Love the Dead, that's on the Nightmare Returns show. And I'm sure tons of you out there, if you're friends of mine and listening to the show, you probably wore out that VHS like I did. That show currently is on DVD. Although I found out, it's one of those things, if you go search it, especially on something like iTunes, this is a really positive use of iTunes, is that that whole concert is on iTunes. That's where I got it from. So even though a physical CD of it doesn't exist, and it should, but if you really want that whole show, you can get it off of iTunes. There's there's a handful of concert videos that do that, so search them if you have some favorites out there. So uh, from Paul Taylor's pick, Paul Taylor from Winger, once again, I want to thank Paul for coming on the show. He was a good sport. Uh, seemed a little thrown off by me, but super nice guy. Uh, he picked Toys in the Attic, the title track from said album by Aerosmith. That's a five-star album. That's a must-own. Can't go wrong with Toys in the Attic, so good one on you, Paul. Then that leads into our talk with the Biters. We sandwiched our Biters talk with Biter songs. I started off with Let It Roll off of their latest album, Future Ain't What It Used To Be. That's one of my favorite songs off of that record for sure. And as we were talking with them, I just uh, sprinkled in some songs that got mentioned 
Ricky was talking about how much he loved Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones, so I went ahead and played the kickoff track from that. Rocks Off, one of the great album openers of all time, and Exile on Main Street is definitely an album you should own. I brought up Wildlife later on in our talk, and, and Tuck actually produced that latest album of theirs. I think maybe another one of theirs? I need to go look that up. But he definitely produced their latest one, Out on Your Block, which is just an amazing rock and roll album. I'm sure if you just heard that song, Deadbeat, you should have been sold on this record already, or any of the other songs I've played here on Rock Strikes 10, but we played Deadbeat by Wildlife from Out on Your Block. Go buy that record. That record is law around here. And then we got into Tuck and Ricky's picks, respectively. Tuck picked Silverhead, featuring the great, iconic Michael DeBar, and the song Rollin' With My Baby. It's neat to find out that there is an album version and a 7-inch version, and they are very different. So, you know, as of getting and diving into this uh, Silverhead connection here, I went with the 7-inch version because I just thought it had a bit more kick, a bit more bite, if you will, pardon the pun. But I went with that, and uh, I want to thank Tuck for sending me on a Silverhead rabbit hole because I'm going to buy everything of theirs now. I already had the detective stuff, and anytime I see Michael's name on anything, I buy it. So thank you, Tuck. Really. For real. That was a killer song. Rolling With My Baby by Silverhead. And then Ricky's pick for the day. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Anything That's Rock and Roll, their first single ever from that awesome debut album. Great picks overall. Great job, guys. Can't wait to have you back on the show. That would be the most. And right here at the end, finished out the bottom part of the bread with The Kids Ain't Alright from Electric Blood, the Perfect Biters album. Go get all their stuff, but man, if you got to pick one, that's the one. That'll get you hooked. That'll make you a fan. Then you're going to want to go buy uh, Cut Your Teeth and then download all the EP stuff off of iTunes and all that other stuff. So greatness. Kids Ain't Alright. Biters. Uh, once again, thank you to everybody that came on the show for all these two parts. You know who you are now. And bonus cameos here today by uh, Craig Smith and Craig Gass, the Craigs. Uh, audio crashing the Biters interview. Not mad at all. It, it, it was just like a nice snapshot of the room. I, I thought it was funny, actually. I think... I think the guys are a bit thrown off by it, but you know, that's the Rock and Pod Expo. It's 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 unpredictable but always fun. Extra special thanks to my better half Nola for just keeping me sane throughout the day and she made a run for us and man, she's just the most. She's everything. She is my life and before I gush too much I just say thank you. Thank you, sweetie. And extra special thanks to Randy Brown of the Synaptic Empire Radio podcast, which uh, is part of the cnjradio.com family. Full disclosure, Randy recorded all of the segments for these two parts, and if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have good audio. So mega extra special thanks to you, Randy. Go check out his show, which you can find on cnjradio.com. I'll go ahead and put him up front there. How about that? Check out the Synaptic Empire Radio podcast featuring Randy Brown, a true alternative. While you're there, you'll find every episode of Rock Strikes 10 for you new listeners. There are plenty of episodes that aren't on iTunes that you can only find on cnjradio.com. So please, please check that out. While you're there, stick around for our flagship show, The Wrestling House Show, featuring myself and my CNJ Radio partner, Chris. Great stuff. And also, Last Theater on the Left, new episodes coming soon. Extra special thanks to Chris Sinzak of the Decibel Geek Podcast for everything that you did concerning the National Rock and Pod Expo 2. It was a blast. Can't wait for three. I've heard it's on, so yeah. 
I'm going to do more than I did the last two years to help out in any way that I can. I, I really will. And just, it was just amazing. So thanks again, everybody out there listening that's taking the time to listen to the show. You are a friend of mine. Keep it up and please send me feedback. I'll answer it all, even if it's late. All right. Last but not least, extra special thanks to Pete and the guys from Space Beard for the awesome outro. See if you can get this one, biters. There's a one degree separation with Michael Nabar on the outro here. Actually, zero degree separation. So uh, while you're at it, go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband, purchase their latest album, Gone, get some more information from them, tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. We're going to get out of here. Enough of my yakking. We'll see you on the next one. Have fun. <laughs>